God wants to be known. God wants to be in relationship with us. Now, this is something we, we might take for granted, or, or maybe we even forget it functionally and, and practically speaking, sometimes behaving as if it's not true. Maybe we'd even prefer a, a God we could you know, keep at a safe distance, one who just didn't care so much about our lives. God wants to be in relationship with us. We do not have to look any further than the person of Jesus Christ who came and and showed us exactly what God is like. He, He came to embody God's relationship of love with what God made and to invite us into that relationship. But it wasn't as if God all of a sudden became knowable or relational only in and through Jesus. Scripture from the opening pages of of Genesis presents a God who is relational. So far in our This Is God, This Is Us sermon series, we've talked about how Genesis introduces a God who is a loving creator that brings about order and beauty from chaos. We've talked about how Genesis introduces us as human beings, as, as creatures made in the image of God with deep worth and creative purpose written on our hearts and into our DNA. And this morning we're back to this is God, looking at how the opening chapters of Genesis on their own, and especially when read in light of Jesus, reveal a fundamentally relational God. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture readings this morning come from a scattering of verses throughout Genesis 1 through 3. I invite you to listen for God's word. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on the earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. During that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, any good play usually has uh, different acts and scenes to, to all help tell a coherent narrative or story. Uh, If the whole of the Bible tells the story of a relational God, Genesis 1 through 3 might be said to be 
Act 1, and this Act 1 has four scenes that in different ways all introduce a God of relationship. Scene 1, Genesis 1, 1 through 5. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. If you recall two weeks ago, I mentioned how in introducing God as creator, Genesis is clear to describe a God who did not need anything to create, did not create because God was under any kind of of pressure or because of a, a power struggle with other deities. God created freely and out of love. In other words, God didn't all of a sudden become loving suddenly after God began to create. Love was the reason that God created at all. God existed before God's creation, distinct from it, and God was full of love. Here's the thing about love. Love requires another. Love requires another, a lover and a beloved. Givers and receivers. Love requires relationship. If God is a God of love and God created out of this love, then God must be a God of relationship who also created in and through this relationship. Which means that that God must have been a God of relationship before the creation of the heavens and the earth. For Christians, this is... Trinity. When we say God, we mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, a perfect relationship of self-giving love. So before there was matter, there was a relationship, a relational God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Several early church fathers tried to make sense of this beautiful mystery by comparing Trinity to a divine dance. In a dance, there's a mutual giving and receiving of of space and movement and action as dancers weave in and out uh, uh, in a pattern of motion, all the while staying in rhythm with each other. A relational God, a divine dance, even in creating. Because notice what happens when you look at God beginning to create with this Idea In the midst of the uncreated chaos, Genesis tells us what? That God's wind or God's spirit is hovering in the midst of it all. And then it's God's word that creates. God speaks, let there be light. In the New Testament, John's gospel tells us that Jesus is the word made flesh. The word that in the beginning was God and was with God. God, the word through whom everything came into being, John says. And then Colossians continues this idea by, by saying that all things were created by Jesus. It's, it's, it's funny because Genesis is, is clear that it's, it's not multiple deities responsible for creating the world. It's, it's one God, but yet it's, it's multiple persons within God, all acting relationally to bring about the created order. So relationally is how God creates because relational is who God is. So it's like we might imagine God the Father is the source 
of the light. The sun brings it about, makes it happen, and, and God the Spirit is the constant power behind the light. A divine choreographed dance creating, a relational God creating. Which takes us to scene two, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God, singular, said, let us, plural, make humanity, singular, in our, plural, image to resemble us, plural, so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth and all the crawling things on the earth. Do you you hear there that, that tension between singular and plural? Let us make humanity in our image? Now why? Why would Genesis say that? Now, some scholars say that this is maybe just a a royal we, like a person in power speaking in plural. Others say it could be a reference to God, like consorting with other angels about creating human beings. But, But even if that was the case, it still points to the idea that God is a God of relationship, a God who is both relational and creates because God is relational. But we... We cannot help, and it's okay, we cannot help but read this in light of the God we see revealed throughout the rest of the story. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is the first, but certainly not the last time we see a God happy to reveal God's self in this tension between singular and plural. One God, yet a relationship. Genesis is already... Genesis is already planting the seeds, laying clues, if you will, introducing a relational triune God, Trinity. Scene three makes this relational God even more apparent. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. Scene three opens right after God has created human beings in God's image. God saw everything that God had made, and it wasn't just good, it was supremely good. So good, in fact, that perhaps God wants to spend some quality time with what God has made. God didn't cease from work because God was physically exhausted. God didn't create Sabbath to catch God's breath. God created it to make holy space, to be with and to delight in and to enjoy creation that God sees as extremely good. God takes immense pleasure in what God has made. In this day of rest, in this divine pause, God's extravagant love towards God's creation takes on tangible form as as time, as time shared with them. You know you love someone, right? You know you're in and you're serious about a relationship with someone if you create and spend time with them. Earlier this week, we, um, we went skiing with our, with our oldest son. And one of the, the primary reasons we did this, besides it being a good time because he was tracked out of school, was to carve out space just to show him how special and important he is to us. In other words, we, we wanted to spend dedicated time with him. We're serious about our relationship with him as parents. We carved out time for him. How much more so friends with God on that seventh day? 
The creation of the Sabbath and God's rest reveals a God who wants to be with and spend time with what God has made, a God who is relational. Maybe maybe God stood on, on the shoreline, I don't know, and listened to the waves crashing and singing, watching dolphins joyfully leap out of the water. Or maybe God climbed to the top of a mountain peak to see all the trees below waving their, their branches in, in praise as clouds, clouds whizzed by. Maybe God watched in, in utter delight as a caterpillar changed into a butterfly. Maybe God ran with the cheetahs or roared with the lions. Maybe, maybe God even walked with human beings in the cool of the garden. Actually, Scripture suggests that God did this. Scene 4, Genesis 3.8, begins by saying, During the cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. This doesn't sound like a a deity content to, to create and then just withdraw from what has been created. It would be a strange kind of love that was satisfied with the mere existence of the other, and then withdrew from it completely. No, God wants to be with what God made. This sounds like a God who is relational, who wants to be in relationship, in intimacy, in proximity with what God made, especially those divine image bearers, those human beings. As close as as an evening walk together, side by side, delighting in one another's company. This, This walking together that paints the picture of a special relationship between creator and creature, a special relationship between God and human beings, a God deeply and actively involved in God's world. I picture a parent, right, walking with their, with their child, holding their hand. And this, is, this has been, this walking with human beings, living with human beings, in relationship. This has been God's desire from the beginning of Scripture to the end to make God's home with humans, to dwell in close proximity and relationship with us, heaven and earth together, creator and creature together. This is why Israel builds a tent, a tabernacle, and introduces the sacrificial system when they are wandering in the wilderness. They know God to be both holy, but also a God of relationship, a relational God, and so they want to make a holy space for God to come and dwell and to live with them in relationship. It's why they later build the temple. It's why Jesus came in the flesh. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence living in us. It's the closing hope and vision of Revelation, where once again heaven and earth are one, as God always intended, and the dwelling place of God, of our relational God, is here with us in a new heavens and a new earth. And Genesis introduces this all, relational God. And why does it matter? A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It begins to shape everything about us. Knowing God to be the relational God already revealed in Genesis means that God doesn't simply create God's world. God continues to care for it. There was a movement in the Enlightenment period called deism that basically said, yes, okay, God God created the world, but then withdrew from it and was not not in any kind of relationship with it, kind of like a a cosmic watchmaker who winds up 
a watch and just lets it go. But that's not the God we meet in Genesis. That's not the God introduced in Genesis, no. We know God to be a God who remains actively concerned about God's world, actively in relationship. God doesn't just create, God sustains what God has made. God makes covenantal or relational promises with what God has made. God is not removed from nor unmoved by what takes place on earth and in our lives. As a relational being, God is actively involved. God cares for each sparrow's flight, knits us together in our mother's wombs, numbers the hair on our heads, feeds the ravens, clothes the lilies with splendor, makes promises to us and keeps them. (laughs) Which means you and I are not alone. It means we are not unloved but are held by a relational God and a love that will not let us go. It means that we are cared for. It means we are pursued from the moment we take our first breath like a a lover pursuing beloved. It means that the the one who reigns forever wants to, to be our friend. It means that the maker of heaven and earth, who the heaven and the earth cannot contain wants to live and dwell in our hearts and lives. It means even when we stumble and even when we fall and mess up, our relational God is close enough to us to pick us up and forgive us. It means that even when people exclude you, God includes you. It means even when life gets crazy, even when things seem to be spinning out of control, when the darkness seems to be closing in, that God yet holds it all together and holds us and is ensuring that in the end, everything will be okay. It means that we can call out to God, we can groan to God, and God turns toward us and hears our prayers. It means that God has our good in mind always. It means even when we feel like God is not there, even uh, even if we wonder if God exists, somehow, someway, God always finds a way through to us, even if it's not right away. It means that God is faithful and God keeps God's promises to us. It means God cares, God feels, God empathizes when we suffer, when we grieve, when there are injustices. It means we have a home, a forever home, a welcoming home with God. No matter where we are, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're experiencing or what we're doing, we cannot run away. God knows us. God cares for us. God wants to be with us. Wants to be in an eternal relationship with us because that is who God is and that is what God is about. God wants nothing more than for us to find our seat at God's table. God wants nothing more than for us to find ourselves a part of that divine dance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God wants nothing more than to walk with us in every moment of every day for the entirety of our existence, just as it was from the start. This is God, a relational God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.